Thanks for pressing play. This is the second of a two-part series on native digitals and the profound change they are bringing to the way we live, work, and play. And if you haven't heard the first episode, why not go back one in the feed and check that out where we lay out sort of um, what's going on with native digitals. But the net of it is there's about 140 million of them in the United States, and we are now witnessing a new category of human being. The first human beings that have come of age uh, completely integrated with the technology for whom their digital life is their primary experience of life. So go back and check out the last episode if you want to dig into that. On this episode, let's talk about the mega category of stuff, aka durable and non-durable goods. And it's approximately 30% of the U.S. GDP is stuff. And it turns out that these uh, native digital Americans uh, and most native digitals around the world don't really want stuff. And uh, we believe it's going to have a profound impact, and we want to dig into it on this episode. My friends at Oracle NetSuite are the world's number one cloud ERP system. To build a legendary foundation for your business today, visit netsuite.com slash different. That's netsuite.com slash different. And my friends at Splunk are the leaders in data to everything. We're going to talk a lot about data today and digital today. And Splunk is the leader in D to E. Visit splunk.com slash D, the number two, the letter E, and learn how to turn data into doing. And um, this episode of Lockhead on Marketing is inspired by Category Pirates, our newsletter. And uh, if you're a reader, I want to thank you because we recently found out that we are in the top 1% of paid newsletters uh, in the world, and we are currently charting at number 13 on the Substack business charts. And this episode is based on a recent Category Pirates. So if you like this kind of thinking, go to lockhead.com and subscribe to Category Pirates. It's kind of like the Harvard Business Review if it was written for and by pirates. Now, hey-ho, let's go. This is Lockheed on Marketing, the podcast that helps you develop the lens for what makes legendary marketing legendary. Hosted by Christopher Lockhead, three-time CMO, godfather of category design, and a high school dropout, who the Marketing Journal calls one of the best minds in marketing, and The Economist calls off-putting to some. Okay. Now, millennials and Gen Zers put together, we call them native digitals. Uh, they grew up in an era where they watched, and technology helped them do it, frankly, uh, at scale through social media, how their parents' pursuit of stuff didn't really lead to as much meaning as maybe they had thought. Dad's desire to move the family into a bigger and bigger house, drive a sports car, get a big TV in the basement and do all that stuff. Well, it might have been fun at some level. In the end, how much happier did it really make him? And they watched his mom's desire to buy diamond necklaces and trendy clothes and have cool new uh, kitchen appliances and, and so forth and so on didn't really make her that much more fulfilled. And then the native digitals watched or are watching as their grandparents pass away. And it comes time for their parents to go through their grandparents' belongings. And suddenly, and this is where you really see it, the same objects 
that had once been spoken of so highly, so highly prized by grandparents, whether it be it antique lamps or silver spoons or ceramic plates or beautiful rings or watches or things along these lines, are now being referred to as junk and being moved into the garage or the attic or having estate or uh, garage sales. Now, just think about this for a second. 140 million native digitals, people 35 and under, look at the stuff that the baby boomers in particular have and uh, the stuff that grandma valued so much, her granddaughters think is junk. Now, we can see this shift away from valuing stuff to valuing digital products, experiences, services, and quote-unquote personal transformations everywhere. First, 74% of Americans now value experiences more than physical products. And the majority of millennials feel that way. And by, by the way, uh, every stat I reference, every third-party source I reference, there'll be uh, links to that in the show notes at Lockhead.com if you want to check them out. So 74% of Americans now value experiences more than physical products. Uh, virtual Gucci bags are now selling for more than analog Gucci bags. Digital goods don't feel like stuff. Remember, they're infinitely scalable and they exist only in the virtual world. What we're seeing with NFTs, non-fungible tokens, is indicative of what's possible in the new category of digital products. And many digital analogs go, oh, how fucking stupid. Somebody paid X million dollars for a tweet or for a GIF or for something like that. And I know this sounds stupid to many native analogs. I'm a native analog. But we have to wake up and realize if your primary experience of life is a digital one, then buying physical art would be stupid to you. Remember, native digitals are often 180 degrees different from a point of view perspective than native analogs. Another indication, cryptocurrencies are becoming a primary quote-unquote store of value. Uh, this is being exacerbated by the increase in inflation that we currently see. Stay tuned on that one. Every legacy technology vendor is making the transition to the cloud. Why? Because the cloud is technology today. And I recently found out I was honored to have a podcast conversation with Marty Cooper, uh, who's the founder and creator of the cell phone. And uh, he told me something I didn't realize, which is there are more cell phones on planet Earth today than there are toothbrushes. As well, a couple other things for context. 70% of millennials are not in a financial position to buy a house, even if they wanted to, which means they have nowhere to put their stuff. Younger generations are not prioritizing things uh, that their native analog parents and grandparents prioritize. For example, um, they're not getting driver's licenses. And as more and more native digitals don't get driver's licenses, guess what they won't be buying? Yeah, cars. Millennials would rather travel and have high autonomy over their schedule than land a high-paying job. That is to say they're choosing a high level of agency over a potentially a higher level of earning. So look, what do we have going on here? What we believe is going on uh, is the biggest shift in perceived value in over 100 years. Remember, nothing, not even human life itself, has any intrinsic value. 
Everything we value, we are taught to value. And if you want, go back to Lockhead on Marketing number 105, where uh, we dig into how value is 100% a perception. So what does this mean for stuff companies? Well, for example, if you are Harley Davidson and you are in the analog motorcycle business, you're in a lot of trouble. If you're Canon and you're in the just camera business, you're in a lot of trouble. If you're Nike and you're not leading in digital sports products and esports, sneakers are already a gold mine. Why can't the original sneaker be a digital copy you carry in your phone, like an NFT? And if you're not creating those kinds of digital products, you're going to be in trouble. If you're Costco and you're not relevant in the digital consumer products mega category, whatever that's going to mean over time, you're in trouble. You got to be thinking about this. The result is that this macro trend is happening in plain sight. If you're 35 years or younger, you will progressively spend more time, energy, and money enhancing your life, yourself, your career through products, experiences, and what our friend Joe Pine, author of The Experience Economy, calls transformations in your digital life. So let me say this again. Native digital digitals, people under 35, will progressively spend more time, money, and energy enhancing their lives, their work, their play through digital experiences, products, and transformations, not analog ones. Consequently, it's starting to look like analog-only manufacturers, as we know them today, will be an ever-decreasing percentage of GDP. Or said another way, stuff-only categories are going to continue to shrink. Which means that stuff manufacturers need to innovate around digital products, services, experiences, and what Joe Pine calls transformations to go along with their physical stuff. Now, here's an interesting data point for you. The World Bank tells us that global GDP has shifted from 54% services in 1996 to 65% services in 2008. And a big part of what allows people to move from a selling a product once model to selling a service over time model is digitization of the ability to subscribe to things. And so these non-stuff sectors, many of which are subscription-based, are going to continue to grow. And so the aha here is if you're a stuff maker, you've got to start turning your analog stuff into digital products and services. And if you look, you'll start to see this everywhere. Every car company is doing this. And there's a lot of people who are saying today that there'll be a whole bunch of subscription services. Security might be a thing that you subscribe to. Infotainment might be a thing that you subscribe to. Uh, Super-powered AI, GPS-type capability, and many other ideas. I recently bought a specialized e-mountain bike. Well, there's a fascinating thing about mountain bikes today. They're digital. That is to say, uh, the folks at Specialized have created, a, first of all, a highly technology-enabled bike itself. The bike is a technological marvel. And by connecting an app to the bike to my phone, all of a sudden, they're now building a data flywheel of every ride that I take on that bike. 
In addition, they're creating a massive amount of stickiness with me because why? Now all my rides and my heart rate and my calories burnt and of course the ride itself and elevation changes and blah, blah, yada, yada. All that data lives in specialized system. And so if in two or three or five or 10 years from now, I want to buy a new mountain bike that's not a specialized, but specialized has all my data, they might have me. A uh, very powerful concept. Another big takeaway here is um, it's important to underscore, and I know this is going to sound obvious to some, but I think it's important to underscore that digital goods and services have much more powerful economics than physical ones. That's because digital businesses are what's called increasing returns businesses. They have an increasing returns business model. The aha here is in the analog world, when you make stuff, your costs for making stuff grow relatively equal to the growth in the sales of the stuff. And so if you were to grow, if you were to look at a chart of revenue and expenses to produce the products that produce the revenue on a graph, for most stuff companies, those two lines, the revenue line and the expense line, are, are correlated very much. And yes, you can get some economies of scale over time, which allows you to increase your margins. But in general, if you want to uh, make something, it's going to cost you something. So for example, simple uh, way to look at it, if Starbucks wants to grow, um, they need to build stores, physical buildings. Whereas for eBay, the cost for them to serve 10 customers or 10,000 customers is pretty incremental. That is to say, once you build the software, once you build the infrastructure, your cost of adding new customers and new revenue to a digital business is almost nothing, which means the more revenue you have, that revenue line and expense line don't correlate. That is to say, as your revenue explodes, yes, is your, is your cost going to go up? Of course it will, but it's not commensurate with the growth, if you follow me. That's what makes digital businesses, as distinct from analog physical businesses, what, what are called increasing returns. And as a result, this is why so many digital companies have such massive market caps. It's why Google is pushing $2 trillion in value right now. All right. So um, if you're in the analog stuff business, um, what can you start to think about to become radi radically relevant to native digitals? And uh, let me give you an example. When we blow this example out in Category Pirates, the newsletter, but let me give you some highlights. We took the company De Beers, the, the diamond company, and uh, we have some advice for them that we know they will never take, but here it is anyway. Okay. So before we get into the advice, just a little bit of quick history. De Beers and the wedding ring. In 1947, De Beers deployed one of the most successful category designs and culture shifting campaigns of all time. When they introduced a series of marketing and a point of view, a tagline where they said a diamond is forever. As a side note, by the way, diamonds actually are not forever, but that's neither here nor there. We're talking about marketing. <laughs> Um, this campaign eventually evolved into a whole series of commercials, and this is legendary category design. Remember, nothing has any intrinsic value until we get taught to value it. So in the 70s, De Beers started to have campaigns, ads that said literally how much a man should spend on an engagement ring uh, for their significant other with, uh, with lines like, quote, how else could two months salary last forever? A diamond is forever. 
And to this day, if you ask a friend of yours, you say, hey, how much do you think I should spend on a diamond wedding ring? They'll say, well, you know, the standard is about two months salary. That's because De Beers was legendary at category design. They were legendary at languaging, the ability to use language to create the future. They literally told people how much to spend on their product. Now, the interesting thing about this is prior to the 1930s, uh, diamond engagement rings were not the norm uh, like they are today. In fact, only 10% of first-time brides in the 30s and 40s got engaged, uh, diamond engagement rings. By 1990, that number was 80. So in the 30s and 40s, it was only 10%. By the 90s, it was 80%. And their uh, De Beers wholesale diamond sales grew in the U.S., from uh, 23 million to over 2 billion. Now, here's the interesting thing. Today, De Beers is in a lot of trouble and they likely don't even know it. And that's because native digital women don't care about diamonds because they don't value stuff the way native analogs do. So what might De Beers do? Now, to understand what they might do, an important thing to get here is that more than a third of people in the U.S. today now meet their spouse or partner through their digital life first. That is to say, uh, digital dating. And the old ways that we used to meet a suitable mate in the analog world through friends or at work or at a bar or restaurant are actually in massive decline. Today, teenagers and 20-somethings don't need to... Uh, uh, if you're like me, know how to walk across the gym and ask the girl if she wants to dance. Or for that matter, go up to a gal at a concert or an event or in a bar and start chatting with her. Today, your ability to text and uh, creatively use emojis is actually what is going to determine your success in the dating world. Today, there's no copulation without digitization. Now, to play this out, how this macro trend might uh, play out for De Beers. Uh, me and my Category Pirates partners decided to play a game we call the Breakthrough Game to think about, to dream and scheme about what De Beers could do to turn what is now a headwind on their business into a tailwind. And so this is what we would say to uh, De Beers were they to ask, and we know they won't. <laughs> so here's what we would say. The next generation doesn't want your rings. Diamond rings are too expensive, easy to lose, and at risk of being stolen. Diamond rings can break, rust, they're small, and so even if you take it off your finger for just a second, you might just lose it. And diamond rings actually don't last forever. After a generation or two, the ring that used to uh, belong to great-grandma could be less valuable and is certainly has certainly lost a ton of its sentimental value. And... From the perspective of a native digital, a physical diamond ring is more annoying than it is valuable, more of a liability than an asset. So De Beers, here's what we propose you do. You've already doubled down on lab-grown synthetic diamonds. So we can assume that other diamond manufacturers will soon follow suit. And my understanding, and we're not diamond experts, but the new synthetic diamonds are virtually indiscernible from, quote-unquote, the real thing. And so we think De Beers focus on these synthetic diamonds and 
start a new category of, quote, authentic synthetic diamonds. Now, stay with us. That would be step one. Step two would be to treat the digital version of the diamond and ring as the primary product and the physical version of the ring as the secondary product. Uh, Analog products that are going to survive into the future will have digital versions that stand as the original. Now, look, we might be wrong about this, but what if we're right? This means that the real thing is the digital thing, a digital diamond ring, and the physical thing is a copy. Well, in that world, who cares if you lose your engagement ring? Uh, You just get a 3D print job of another one. In that business model, if you're De Beers, you could have the customer pay for a replacement or maybe even waive the replacement fee and let them lose as many engagement rings as they want, but charge them $10 per month to hold the authentic digital version inside their phone. Maybe let them upgrade to $14.99 per month to hold their husband or wife or partner's digital ring as well. Uh, Further, maybe sell them a $29.99 a month subscription to upload photo albums of historic family moments to embed in the digital DNA of the ring. So De Beers, if you really want to make a diamond last forever, store it in the cloud. Oh, and while we're on the subject, the real reason anybody wants a diamond is for sentimental value. And the greatest risk of owning a diamond is that it gets destroyed or, or, or lost or stolen. Digital solves for both. Through this lens, a diamond engagement ring is not an engagement ring. It's a time capsule. It's your entire relationship, moments, experiences, and transformations in the form of digital assets tied to the ring. Photos, videos, sound clips, and the like. GPS tracking of your travels around the world, all saved in your phone. And when you think about it, getting married is one of the most transformational experiences available to human beings. Some might argue that it's the most transformational. Well, De Beers, you have the opportunity to represent that massive life transformation digitally. Do this successful through a native digital lens and De Beers could become like a Tesla on your finger. Don't do this. Stay anchored to your native analog lens and De Beers will become that old antique piece of jewelry your granddaughter will one day call a piece of junk. So here's what I'd leave you with. Native digitals are a whole new category of human being. In many ways, they are 180 degrees different than native analogs. And as a result, they are likely to change almost every category of how we live, work, and play. The one-third of the U.S. economy that makes stuff will need to get radically native digital fast or risk becoming junk. And we don't think De Beers is going to do this. And we don't think the vast majority of stuff manufacturers are going to do this. So it also represents a massive opportunity for entrepreneurs and marketers who want to redesign literally a third of the U.S. economy in a native digital way.
All right, we would like to thank the legendary folks at Atranet building B2B websites in Silicon Valley for over 20 years. Visit atre.net today. If you're in Australia, visit our friends at rapidmedia.com.au to do legendary marketing down under. That's rapidmedia.com.au. Also, if you like this kind of radical pirate thinking, go to lockhead.com and subscribe to Category Pirates today. Uh, If you're like me, you've done dumber things with 200 bucks. My friends at Malibu Milk are the leaders in whole plant uh, organic flax milk. This stuff tastes great. It makes your body feel great. I love it on cereal, in smoothies, and uh, particularly in white Russians. Check out Malibu Milk with a Y dot com today. All right, I need to remind you that this podcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network, and it goes better with libations. If you like it enough to listen, why not share it with your whole team? Today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes. Please condu- con- consult <laughs> your lawyer, shaman, mystic doctor, bartender. Uh, before acting on today's episode, uh, your spouse called and said, uh, it's cool, you can buy anything you want. We are produced and edited by the GOAT, Jason DeFilippo. Check out his podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks. Sarah Knox and Jamie J do legendary technical execution, and they build the aforementioned Lockhead.com. Show notes by GM Simon. Candy Dandy keeps all the trains running on time. Don't forget to listen to the Ramones. Ella Fitzgerald was right. Please stay healthy, stay safe, and stay legendary. And the thought I'll leave you with comes from George Carlin, who said, A house is just a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff.